0: Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now your host, David Michael.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Passionate DJ Podcast and our annual resolutions episode. I am, of course, David Michael, and I'm sitting here with Tony and Tripp. How you guys doing? Good.
0: Pretty good. How you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, what's what's new, guys?
0: <laughs> well, can I go ahead and drop the bomb? Uh, as if all the DJs in the world don't already know it. But uh, drop it. Let's talk about Panasonic's yeah. uh, uh, announcement where they're bringing back the Techniques twelve hundred turntable. Yep, yeah. absolutely.
1: SL twelve hundred G and GAE, the uh, special edition. Yeah, they uh, dropped a huge bomb at what was the show? Um, Consumer Electronics Show or something they were at. And kind of came out of nowhere and, and said, "We're dropping this. I guess summer 2016. They're going to drop the uh, special edition, a limited run of 1,200. Doesn't seem like there's a whole lot different about it, other than it gets a special serial number and plate and finish and that sort of thing." Is 1,200 pairs or 1,200 to- total? 1,200 total, I believe. Ooh. So yeah, limited edition. I imagine it'll be a pretty penny. Last I saw, they hadn't announced anything yet. But um, as far as price goes, but the last model uh, that came out was the twelve hundred Mark Six, and that was two thousand eight in Japan.
0: So, was the the last U.S. model? Was that the M five G?
1: I think so. Yeah, I'm
0: it's not been a I'm long not time sure.
1: since I've been on turntables.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, speaking of last last episode, right? <laughs> right. Uh,
1: so they uh, they'll release the GAE in the summer 2016 and the 1200G, which is sort of the uh, full production model. Several months after that. So, what do you guys think about that? Are you guys like eyeballing them, or do you uh, indifferent or? Like
3: I said last episode, I only use a turntable to scratch, so my original 1200s I'm good with. Yeah. I don't I don't need any anything that's, new. That's kind
1: of where I am. I I got Mark 2s and and they work the same as they always have and so it's more of like I'm excited that it's happening, like it's cool that it's happening, but it doesn't really help me.
0: <laughs> right. I, I I think you know, the initial excitement of it all, you know, had me going, well, I could probably sell both of mine and get like half the amount of one of these and then if I start saving now, I could probably have enough <laughs> by the summertime, you know, you know, the just the excitement, you know, that that kid on Christmas, you know, uh, effect that that kind of gear has on us, you know. Um uh, I I wasn't immune to it, but just like you just said, I you know, reviewed what I have. Yeah. I've got um, two Mark IIs as well, and I've, you know, always done my own maintenance on them. I've got mine custom powder-coated, you know, <laughs> zero-click removed from the pitch fader. I've got, uh, you know, replacement. I've replaced the uh, RCA cables, you know, with with uh, short female leads and internally grounded. You know, the whole, the, you know, I put a lot of work into these. They're 15, 16 years old now. And, you know, they still work as great as the day that, that I bought them. And, you know, for that kind, you know, for that kind of product quality, you know, it, it, and the sentimental value, I just, I don't know that I could get rid of them.
1: Well, you could <laughs> drop those things down a flight of stairs and they'd still work. Right, right. <laughs> well, I know social media was, you know, all my channels were just blowing up when that was announced. You know, my, even my own, you know, the passionate DJ, um, uh, Facebook fan page you know I created a little post of course and shared it out and it's it's still going kind of crazy as we as we talk here today so right, right. Um, I don't know if they're going to have any more details announced by the time this episode comes out but uh, I saw a lot of excitement and uh, if you want to get the press release the general specifications and, and just at least the few details they have um, have announced so far you can get those at passionatedj.com forward slash text. now um, I did bring in a uh, uh, Facebook message I saw today. You guys Jazzy Jeff fans? Oh, yeah. Of course. So he, he posted this. He has a little different take on it. He says, Everyone is posting the return of the 1200. I have a different feeling about this. Trust me, these have been the cornerstone of every DJ for the past 30 years, and I don't know how life would, be, would have been without them. But they were never intended for us to DJ on. They never really gave support to the DJ community. They've been discontinued and relaunched 100 times, even if it has been an urban legend. I bought my first pair for $245 from Sound of Market in Philly and saw them get to over $1,000 because of the fear they would go away forever. Vestax, Stanton, etc. I've tried to replace them but never quite could. Then the patent runs out and we get Pioneer, the Pioneer turntable, which with my eyes closed, I can't tell the difference. Costing less than half the price with all the little upgrades and from a company that kind of gives a shit about DJs. So before I get super hyped about the return of the 1200, let me make sure they're going to care about who's using them and not their $2,000. Time will tell, just my thoughts.
0: That's an excellent, excellent post.
1: I, I never even considered that angle until I saw that. I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Well, I, I, even as we were sitting here, that that thought about the Pioneer deck was was in the back of my head because, you know, before... You know, like I said, I mean, I've I've had those decks that I've got in my studio now for sixteen years. But you know, once the, like he said, when the patent ran out and then Pioneer comes out with something that is, for all intent and purpose, the exact same comparable, yeah, yeah.
1: the same thing, pretty much. Pretty, pretty interesting take on the uh, on the that
0: pretty interesting angle.
1: I think it's, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if I if I feel so hostile towards it, but it definitely got me thinking about his position on, hey, Pioneer DJ actually cares about this and, and it seems to him anyway that that Panasonic is kind of trying to jump back on that bandwagon that they didn't really s- start
0: <laughs> <laughs> for sure so. for sure
1: anyhow like I said passionatedj.com forward slash text I know a lot of people are excited about it and um, I have a small milestone to announce we've hit 10,000 plays so that's it. yay I, I should have brought in a sound clip don't worry I'll put my, one in yeah <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, 10,000 plays, uh, not not huge, but it's, we're definitely growing. That's Congratulations. Exciting.
0: Thank you. Thank yes, you. absolutely.
1: Um, and of course, uh, we mentioned you know, Passionate DJ is going through a bit of a rebranding process. I actually have a new logo in hand. Uh, did, you, did you guys see my Facebook post?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shout out to Jack Sheast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We know you're
1: listening, Jack. <laughs> so I posted a t- sort of teaser photo on my personal Facebook page. And I you know, I took a, a preview of the new logo and I put a, a black bar across it so you couldn't really see it. And it was just kind of, hey, look, I've got something brewing. And uh, our friend Jack, Mr. Shifter, he's, uh, he's submitted to the podcast before and, and he's definitely going to be back on soon. But he decided to go through and, and sort of fill in the, the missing pieces with like a <laughs> pretty awesome like MS Paint style. <laughs> Hands in the air DJ with a set of decks. I did not see this. I'm going to have to look. Oh, it's, 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 classic. it's hilarious. He came up with, uh, uh, he put a little like uh, dolphin type icon on there. And he said with
0: passion and porpoise. And, yeah, passion and
1: porpoise. <laughs> so now like DJ porpoise is our mascot unintentionally. So I I imagine I'm not going to get rid of that anytime soon, but <laughs> thanks, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pull it up? Yeah, I'm just not seeing it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started here, um I have a uh, pretty nice voicemail from DJ Tablets. Now, uh we'll we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the uh the episode here as far as resolutions go, but this this one was not a question. This was uh just uh a comment that he left and I really appreciated it. So I want to go ahead and play, it, play
4: that for you guys now. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity, but I want you to know anything you send to me all the time is not being wasted. I read it. I take what I'm supposed to take out of it. I appreciate your time, and I say happy new year. Thank you.
1: So thank you so much, DJ Tablets. That was that was a very nice uh, thing for you to send in, and and. Uh, by the way, you guys are always welcome to submit voicemails even if you don't have a question, um, even if you just want to rant or say hi or comment or whatever. Uh, bring them in. You can go to passionatedj.com forward slash ask. And uh, actually, once our uh, front page is redone, it'll just be right there on the landing page, passionatedj.com. So, uh, yeah, send them in all the time. Uh, we, we would love to hear from you. Now, this is our second annual what we call resolutions uh new year's resolutions episode, and I put resolutions in quotes and the reason for that is it's not new year's resolutions in the typical sense of trying to set a goal or uh you know lose ten pounds or whatever or forty or <laughs> however it may be <laughs> um but uh it's it's uh helping DJs with their problems, we're trying to help them find resolutions to their problems. So it's a bit of a play on words. but uh, So this is an offer that I made to the VIP list, which I you know, bring up just about every episode. You can sign up at passionatedj.com right there in the sidebar. This is a way to just stay in touch. It's my sort of email newsletter. And these are my uh, our most valued listeners. And so I offered this to them to where they send a voicemail question in, and if we feature their voicemail on the show, uh, of course we'll answer it, and we will also give them a review of one of their mixes, an hour-long mix of their choosing from a seasoned DJ. So I have, uh, actually Jack is one of, <laughs> one of the DJs who has volunteered to do this. Uh, so everybody who submitted voicemails for this particular episode, this is not something we do all the time, but that's something that we're doing for you guys. So you'll get multiple paragraphs of really... Thoughtful feedback because I know how hard it is in you know 2016 to uh, to get any kind of feedback more than uh, hey dude nice mix or or whatever so uh, we will listen to it closely carefully give our brutally honest thoughts and uh, hopefully you guys will be able to take something from that so first question is from Yuri A.K.A Third Culture Child
2: hi David this is Yuri uh, also known as Third Culture Child um, I'm a music producer and DJ based in Tokyo, Japan. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast, thanks very much for doing it. I think uh, you have a really good approach with taking on pretty much any topic and sharing some very pragmatic uh, and very reasonable ways to cope with the challenges, so I really do appreciate it. My question is that, about uh, genres, and we know that everyone likes more than one genre, more or less. Um, but when it comes to DJing, um, we tend to focus on maybe one, two, or three different genres. However, I find that with a lot of uh, clubs or a lot of parties, you get a, you often get asked to DJ a particular style or a particular genre that may be outside what you tend to focus on. Now, up to now, I've been doing um, a lot of parties where I've really mixed up a lot of different genres or I've, I've ta- taken on genres that I'm not really a uh, quote-unquote expert in. However, do you think that's a good idea? Should DJs focus on the genres that they're really um, producing music in and really know well inside out? Or you know, is it, is it a good idea to be broadly focused, I mean broadly minded and taking on pretty much the gigs as they come? Thank you, appreciate it.
1: Hey, great question, Yuri. So he wants to know, is it a good idea to focus on a specific genre or to sort of diversify to take on more gigs? I don't really have a w- one size fits all answer. do you guys have any thoughts on that
0: uh, I hate to not give a concrete answer but I, I I think the whole thing really just depends if 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 he's got a specific genre or sound or or format that he feels comfortable with and that's the way he wants to brand himself well then maybe diversification is not the right way to go for That was sort
1: of my thought, too. Mm -hmm.
0: But me personally, like, I play all kinds of stuff. You know, after almost, what, 16, 17, 18 years doing this stuff, you know, I can... If you throw me some records, I can mix them together. You know, that's just, you know, what it is. But when I play drum and bass, I play drum and bass. Um, Mostly because there's not a whole lot that will mix well with (laughs) drum and bass. Mm -hmm. So, um, but when... I'm playing, say, like Glitch Hop, you know, depending on whether or not the crowd is feeling that or not, you know, I can mix out of Glitch Hop and, you know, go more towards like Mumbaton and then work that up into like a, a, a tech house or electro house, you know, type of feel. Or, you know, like a lot of times when I'm playing 4-4, my whole set is based on a progression, so, like, I'll start with, like, the dark, minimal techno, build up into some tribal. Then, you know, as I'm, as I'm moving on, then get into, like, the really chunky, funky tech house and stuff. And then, you know, if the energy level is up there, then I'm, you know, balls-to-the-wall house. So it just – it really depends on the gigs that you're taking. Are you taking gigs for the sake of taking gigs? And if you're because doing so – Because you want so, to get your
3: name out there.
0: Right. And if you're doing so, are you comfortable with saying – I'm just going to take a gig because I want to play a gig, but the promoter wants, or the club owner wants me to play this.
3: If if you're known as, you know, by throwing a name out there, let's say Richie Houghton, for example, people know what they're going to get when Richie Houghton plays as opposed mm-hmm. to Plastic Man, you know, or right. Eric Prids versus Cyrus right. um, D. You know, Cyrus D is his techno moniker. Eric Prids, you know, you're going to get more of a progressive, trance sound. Um, me as an artist, people know what they're going to get when they book me. It's going to be tech house techno played in a progressive manner. You know, yeah, and um, that's
1: kind of your brand, your, right? Your that's, brand. that's
3: my personal brand, and I've you know, I can play anything under the sun, you know, but I choose what I want to play. I mean, I've also been playing 25 years. Yeah. You know, that's where my point kind of falls back. If this guy is just starting, wants to get his name out there then, sure, take every gig you can, you know, by all means. But at the same time, if you're going down that one road and you want to be known for this, then, by all means, stick to your guns.
1: It might be important to to mention, too, that it's it's going to depend on... Sort of what your target is, because
2: uh,
1: it's easy for us in this room to think about it in the context of uh, like a nightclub or something right. like that. And As opposed to a shooting. show, yeah, yeah. or uh, a wedding, or I mean, we, right. we don't really really have context here to know what, what, what a what he's gig for what, what a gig, gig is, is yeah. to him, right? It's, uh, so that's going to vary. I mean, if you if you play weddings, you'd better play diverse music, Absolutely. For
3: example, and it, it could it could also fall back to. I, I, I think you did an article on it for openers, you know, hmm. openers to headlining acts. You know, you, you if you're an opener for a headlining act, you don't want to come out playing bangers or playing, you know, yeah. something that's so aggressive that the headliner in the room has nowhere to take it.
0: So It's funny. It's funny that you bring that up, though, because that's as polarizing a subject as whether or not the sync button should exist. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, while, while we share that, I've always felt wherever I am placed in the night or seeing the lineup and knowing where my time slot is. Yeah. I'm going to bring some heat Mm -hmm. because I don't want to be just the boring guy before Mm. the boring guy before the headliner. Right. But there is something to be said for, you know, in my opinion, anyway, knowing where you're playing in the night and what your contribution to the mood of the night is supposed to be
3: or what your brand already is. Yeah. You know,
1: I've played... Some of that's on the promoter for booking you.
3: Yeah, i I played a few times, um, you know, and been at a few shows where Tiesto was playing, and Tiesto is known as a, a trance DJ. You know, he, he drops trap, <laughs> drops dubstep, <laughs> and people like, what the hell are you doing? You're Tiesto. You know what yeah. I mean? But it my opinion, I don't know why he does it, but in my opinion, I, I feel like he's doing it to stay relevant, Yeah, you know, with the generation because that's what the kids want, sure. yeah. you know, so uh, again, it just depends on your brand, the gig that you take, you know, if, if it's a, if it's a club and you're playing a four hour set, no, definitely don't stick with the same genre, you know, go yeah. throughout because you're playing to a room of, you
1: know,
5: I did Unless,
0: it's a, Unless I mean, it's a theme night. Unless
1: it's a theme night. sure, yeah. sure. I mean, if it's sure. an
0: all D and B night, don't drop techno. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: I've sort of gone halfway. I almost have like a DJ split personality to where when I'm playing nightclub gigs, I'm I'm kind of going this almost deep house, but with like warehouse techno on top. You know what I mean? It's it's got it's got some of those airy. Techie sounds going with it, and that's kind of the direction I'm going. I have this more underground techno ish sound, but I also play special events. There's, I've talked about on the blog before, you know, I played fashion shows and Mm -hmm. I played at the shop here in Dayton called Clash Consignments, and they, they do uh little music events here and there, and and I don't go in there and try to rave, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so I needed to figure out, okay, how- I'm sure Mary appreciates (laughs) that. Yeah, Yeah, that's why I was asked to go back. But it's, you know, it's one of those things like, okay, how can I stay true to the sounds that I want to represent at half tempo and half energy, which I consider different things, by the way. right. Um, and so it's, yeah, I did, uh, write an article that kind of talks about that too. And it was called, um, how to have a genre and not a sound or, or not, a, sound a sound and not, sound, a, not genre, a genre. Yeah. I think. Uh, so where it was like, you know, everybody focuses on like, I'm a tech house DJ or I'm a techno or I'm a this or that. And, uh, everybody's definition of what those things are different. Right. So. It's it's more of like the kind of sound that you want to represent. That's where the, the artistry part, I think, comes in, mm-hmm. is that's you're trying to build a sound that represents you, whether that comes through as techno. Now, that being said, you know, that doesn't mean Glitch Hop and like Bang and Drum and Bass are going to work together in the same set just because they have, they're in the same key or, or whatever. I mean, they, you can only stretch that so far, but... Um, yeah, I, th- I think it really depends on, on where where you're, uh, where you're shooting, you know, what your target is here. If nightclubs, uh, you know, top 40 versus more underground shows, all those things are going to come into play. So I think it, 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 again, it ultimately depends on
3: the brand. If he's branding himself as something, then he needs to stick to that something you know so when you look at the brand you say yeah i know exactly what this is if you're not branding yourself and you're trying to get yourself out there and you know absolutely take diverse gigs and don't don't stick to one genre you may find one genre that you fall in love with and eventually that will take you to the moon and back mm. and you stick to that but if you don't have that right now by all means spread your wings you know absolutely
1: all right <clears throat> thanks so much for the submission there, Yuri. that was a great question what's
5: up david dj filthy d out Uh, My question is, I still spin on vinyl and I still use Serato. Uh, I've heard a lot of DJs tell me that I really won't get anywhere unless I switch up to digital recording via CDs and or iPod. Do you think uh, I still have a chance sticking to
1: vinyl or do you think I should switch up? Okay, so DJ Filthy D wants to know, is using vinyl and Serato holding him back as a DJ? So we're back on format. We kind of touched on some of this a little bit last week. Do you think? Do you guys think that um, his insistence on using Serato? I, I assume he's he's insists on using Serato in vinyl at gigs, and that's probably what brings the question up. I don't, you know, that's not something that clubs really, in my experience, just provide, you mm-hmm. know, uh, especially Serato. Um, so, do you guys think that's holding him back? His choice of format. I don't think it's
3: holding him back per se as a DJ, but it's uh, it's limiting him. How so? Um, There's just so many other things that you can do outside of vinyl with uh, with the controller, with uh, the effects, with the looping capabilities. Um, But again, I guess it's where he wants, or what his definition of a DJ and where he wants to take DJing to. Sure. Um, I don't want to get back into the whole verse verse but if you enjoy doing vinyl and no it's not holding you back absolutely not yeah but it's limiting
0: i i I would say it's not holding them back either the technology moves a lot faster now than it ever has i mean for uh, we've said it before that you know how long was two techniques and a djm mixer that was standard equipment for however long and I, I mean he doesn't really mention what context he's using Serato if he's using it in absolute mode and just as a record bag replacement. I mean, man, I I did the same thing for years. And it didn't hold me back. It didn't it didn't stop me from getting gigs. I mean, you know, I I still went out there and I did my damn thing. Mm-hmm. Um but uh you know what I would say is have a format that you're comfortable with and know it inside and out and be great at using that format. But don't shun anything new for the sake of shunning it and be open to trying new things and getting your hands on some new technology. See what works for you, what you can incorporate, and then you know just ignore the stuff that you can't incorporate or that you may miss because nobody, nobody is on top of everything.
1: Yeah. I think, too, that these days, I mean, it, like you said, there is no real standard anymore right. i mean y- you can argue for the pioneer cdj CDJs, djm right. setup but everybody's kind of used to everybody's got their own setup now everybody has either i was just co- gonna say that yeah control yeah. s8 and this person's got a serato box and this person's got this and that and it's gone so many different diverse ways that it's it would be silly for say a promoter to say i'm sorry we don't support you using serato and that would be the only thing I could think of that would really hold him back. Serato's perfectly capable software. Absolutely. If it's working for, for you, I don't see why you should change it. Depending right. um, also, um, depending on
3: what city, what club, I can't even tell you the last time I went into a club and saw a pair of turntables sitting yeah. in a club. Um, you know, if he lugs his own turntables around, by all means. It's kind of on him if it's holding him back, I would right, say. Right, right. You know, I I, I haven't even... There's not many clubs that even have the CDJ 2000s in the clubs, you know. Yeah. Um, but if, you know, if, if if he's wanting to use turntables and stick with vinyl and he feels like lugging his stuff around, you know, hey, 80% sure. of the time. Why not? You're going to have to, I feel, you know. Yeah. Like, I'll say one,
0: one other point. Uh, I heard him say <clears> that, you know, <throat> he's getting this doubt from the people around him. And you know what? Honestly, you got you got to, like, tune that out you know that's
1: not gonna stop right as right. soon as you go and buy a control s8 somebody's gonna hate on you for that and then right you, or whatever right
3: tune so. that
0: out learn your tools and what what your yeah, format master is your and, tool and master it and yeah
3: didn't absolutely. stop craze didn't stop cubert you know yep. didn't stop absolutely. any
1: turntablist absolutely you know? thanks so much dj filthy d for the thoughtful question all right, moving on. Now, I love this question. This is from uh, Reggie, also known as DJ. Purple, and he's, uh, he's been following passionate DJ for a long time. I've, he's sent me emails before, he comments. He's, he's a longtime fan, so uh, we really appreciate your support, Reggie, and uh, we're going to go ahead and answer your question
4: now. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. This is Reggie Davenport, aka DJ. Purple, coming at you from NewAidSoul.com. Here is my question for 2016. I'd like to know, what steps could I take to go about reaching out to different promoters and or club owners in other cities in order to get the DJ bookings outside of Chicago? See, a few years back, this wasn't much of an issue at all uh, because I was overseas stationed in the UK. Smaller country, but large, large, large house music scene. So it was no thing to be in the club every other weekend and be able to hand out my mixtapes to different promoters and actually get bookings. But now I'm back home in Chicago, and it's, that's a different animal altogether. But I would also like to just spread my wings a little bit and get bookings in other cities. So there is my question. How can I get gigs outside of Chicago? A penny for your thoughts.
1: Okay, Reggie wants to get gigs outside of Chicago. and Meanwhile, I'm sitting here, I would love to have some gigs in Chicago. So <laughs> let's, do, let's do some trading. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like
0: some, uh, you know, some supply and demand here. Like maybe a little a little deal could could get down. Wait,
1: Tripp, you've played a lot of, uh, out. You, we talked about this on the show actually, how you played across the Midwest and, and various places. Do you have some input on that?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I bet Tony's uh, a, a little bit. More of an authority uh, given the <laughs> caliber of gigs and and places that he's played, he's played out but, of the
1: country, yeah, you know. exactly.
0: Where was your last big one Puerto Vallarta yeah Mexico yeah, mm-hmm. that was good stuff first, I gotta say uh DJ purple, I love Chicago uh, that that city mm-hmm. has a thriving underground. I love playing in that city. there's a couple of uh, promoters that I've got a really good relationship with, and they bring me up every so often and nice. yeah yeah so. Chicago promoters, it's been a little while. <laughs> if anybody wants to book me, I will play for Giordano's Pizza <laughs> over on Belmont near the Vic Theater. Nice. <laughs> but... Uh,
1: I also love Chicago. I got engaged in Chicago, actually. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. My wife's a big uh, Cubs fan. So.
0: Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so was <is> she. <laughs> right. So, uh, to the point, um, what, what's always worked for me is the network above talent above and not to say that talent is not valuable i mean you can have the greatest network in the world but if you're a crappy dj the first time you get on a stage that'll probably be the last time you get on a stage Mm. but so assuming that talent is already there you know and moving on to what to do with that talent networking is is number one who do you know in your own city that is playing out in other cities or has relationships set up with other people when you're playing gigs are there headliners coming in what are you doing when that headliner is there you know hmm. you know if if headliner xyz comes in and you're talking to that headliner well you know the chances of them even remembering your name much less your face after 24 hours nil to none
1: you guys think it starts locally then i mean as far as playing outside of your city. Chicago is is is, is a monster.
3: That's yeah. a monster city for just the scene in general. There's just there's so much going on there. Um I would definitely start there, but also I would reach out to other cities. Uh, if I'm from Chicago, well, I was, absolutely yeah. I would reach out to the smaller markets. Um
1: And if I can interject really quick, uh I don't think that means like Email blasting every Chicago promoter. No, that's what that's what <laughs> no. I was
0: that's what I was getting around to earlier was okay, so like knowing who you know in your own city that might know people elsewhere. You know, mm-hmm. that we in this hyper information, hyper connectivity, you know, six degrees of separation is too much anymore. I mean, I bet yeah, yeah any one of us in this room know somebody to the third degree that can get us a gig, you know, wherever.
3: I have Twitter, so it's one degree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know but you know, so Everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. So if you have a particular city that you want to get to, who do you know within your own? Mm -hmm. If you don't, though, then like Tony was saying, then it takes a little bit of research because then it's like, okay, so we're in Dayton, Ohio. Let's say we want to play in Chicago. What do you do? Well, what I have done in the past is I have gone out to like, say, Facebook, gone out to the event pages for that city, Mm -hmm. found – who's doing what, you know, who's got the huge mega parties, who's got the really cool, like underground parties. And then you find out who those promoters are, find out who you may have in, in, in common with them on Facebook and other social media, you know, the, the Twitter and all that stuff. And then try to work the network from there. The big thing is don't be desperate. Don't be, Mm. don't be, uh, don't harass, you know, a promoter, you know, just If you can't get a a connection, you know, from somebody that you know, then a soft cold call, you know, I'm calling it a cold call, but, you know, just a friendly message saying, hey, I'm from this city. You're up there in that city. I want to play there. What can I do for you? You know, if Mm -hmm. I've got a connection, if I know a promoter, you know, can we set up a DJ trade? Can we, you know, or if I come up, you know, for gas money. You know, can I open a show for you and start building that network? Because if I, you know, just jump in the car, drive, you know, five and a half hours to Chicago and play an early slot for a promoter and not give them any flack or, you know, don't be a prima donna about it. Just show up, rock the place and then get out. That's a good transaction there. Mm. And that builds trust for the for the future. A lot of promoters. It's that's a hard door to open because not a whole lot of promoters will, you know, entertain that because it costs. You know, because of cost.
1: Do you guys think that um, should he should Reggie like try to start with more uh, bordering cities? Like, should he be aiming at Milwaukee and that sort of thing, or Absolutely. should he should he be shooting across? The
3: Absolutely, map? because yeah. the, it's going to cost him. In the long run, it's going to cost him to play because right. Right. a lot of these promoters don't have the budget because the same amount of people don't come out anymore unless it's a massive show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the bars really pay the promoter next to nothing. The promoter may get the door, may get a small percent of the bar, but if said town doesn't know the person that's coming out, then the door cost will be very minimal, therefore he can't really pay his DJ. Yeah. So it's if this guy wants to get his name out, wants to play in other cities, then it's going to cost him maybe, or the promoter could possibly put the gas money, you know, give yeah. the guy the gas money.
1: Well, I think reaching out to, and it's easy for us to say Closer that, cities, it's going to be a lot cheaper. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's, it's easy for us to have that perspective because of where we are. I mean, right, in, in right. Dayton, we're smack in the middle of, Cincinnati, Columbus, Columbus.
0: and Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I mean, we are like the prime example of of that scenario. Sure. Um. And so, but I think that it's uh, there's a greater chance that you that you have connections in, uh, say, Milwaukee, or or somewhere that's close to you, uh, because you know they've probably come to chicago and worked with chicago artists and that sort of thing and so there's probably already some crossover i mean how facebook will tell you (laughs) whether you know who you've got mutual friends with and i mean that might be a start i don't think that you should necessarily just spam any person that you're mutual friends with but yeah social media is an excellent weapon yep absolutely i actually brought in uh speaking of reaching out to people in other cities i brought in a sound clip do you guys know kilma no. No. So uh Kilma, uh she also has a, a, a DJ blog and she's uh she's great. She's been on the show before uh a handful of episodes ago on a uh a panel that we did discussion and uh branding is sort of of her thing. She uh she used to be a drum and bass DJ, uh DJ SWAT and she completely changed her persona Um, she was doing really well in drum and bass and then and changed it up and rebranded herself and stuff and so i kind of wanted to know what what her advice was on this because i know she's had some um, experience with having to deal with people like this in other cities and then resetting and then doing it again uh so i actually was just i asked her to uh, write something up and i was going to read it and she actually submitted a a really nice clip so uh, i'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys
6: First, I would say create a fan base in that city. You want the promoters to know that if you come out, you'll bring the numbers. If you're not already on a popular label that has a fan base in that city, you have to get creative. Find a way to interest people. Do your homework. Find out who is running the top shows in your demographic. For example, if you're a techno DJ, go for the guys actually booking techno acts. Not the top 40 clubs. And make sure you check out those local supporting artists. What are they doing that's getting them noticed in their city? What do people love about them? This is a big one. Create A press kit. There are a million and one DJs asking for out of town gigs. If you send over a pretty little package with easy clickable links to your bio, professional photos, mixes, and past releases, this will help you stand out and look professional. Worth the money you're going to ask for, right? Connect first. Create a conversation with these humans. That's right, a person. Don't just send a generic Facebook message or email that you've copied and pasted to everyone else. Find out about their interest, show support, like their pages, listen to their mixes, or even check out the promotional videos these clubs have already got going on. Tell them what you love about it and wait for the opportunity to tell them about you. Trust me. They'll ask. You might find out in these conversations you're not the right fit or you just dodged a bullet. Heck, they might even know someone to connect you with if they just don't have the budget for out-of-town acts. So be professional, but be authentic. Know your worth. How much are you asking for and what will that cover? Gas, hotel, plus your fee? Often, people find themselves asking for more because many promoters will lowball them anyways. So it's better to start a bit higher, but know your minimum rate. If they don't have the budget, that's okay. Keep your integrity and walk away. You'd be surprised at how often a promoter will come back at you two weeks later after mulling it over saying, hey, we've got your money. Lastly, do up a contract. Whether it's a friend or someone you just met, protect yourself and protect the potential friendship and working relationship. Contracts are meant to protect both parties and they leave no room for error. This is, of course, if you have a proper one. A lot of people miss out on this because they're just really excited that somebody finally booked them out of town and... Unfortunately, this is one of those situations where a lot of people learn the hard way. So do up a contract. It's always more professional. And it kind of weeds out the people that aren't so serious about throwing this party
0: professionally.
1: So there's that. Wasn't that great? She sent that to me last night. I said, could you send me a couple sentences, and she sent me three minutes of audio. I thought that was pretty cool of her.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, so
1: what do you guys think? Do you guys agree?
0: I don't think there's a bad point in there. As a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff that I you know, wrote down in preparation for the show, she, she covered it, and she covered it probably a lot more eloquently than I can, and she sounds better. So-
3: <laughs> I, I don't think that um, those smaller markets... Let me, let me speak on my behalf as a promoter in Dayton. I'm not going to sign a contract with a guy or even bring a guy in from Chicago that I don't know. I, 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 just, I won't get my money back on it. Yeah, that's, just, that's me personally, but I'm also in a smaller market. Some of these bigger markets, it's easier to do. You can get away with it. Those people have the budget. But the smaller market, if you're trying to reach out to a smaller market, it's going to be a lot more difficult getting... Uh, Hotel, gas money, because, and the reason I say that is because there's 40 DJs in a 10-mile radius here Mm -hmm. that I feel that are probably just as good that will fill that same spot for gas money from Cincinnati as opposed to Chicago. You know, I mean, no offense to him, but that's just me as a, as a, my personal opinion as a promoter here in a smaller market in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, what's, you know?
1: what, what's it worth to you? What's, what's your right, return Right. On that?
3: Can I, can I pay, it's hard you know, if this guy, let's say his gas money, his hotel reaches $250 um, and I charge $5 to get in my door. You know, I'm going to need 100-plus people to come through my door in order for me to break even to give, you know, this guy the money that he wants. Now, me as a promoter, I already have that money in my pocket. I would pay this guy and not rely on my door, which is what a promoter should do. But financially, would it be smarter for me to do that or to book five guys, you know, in a closer circle that's not going to cost me $250? I and can film our whole lineup as opposed to just one time slot with the guy. You and know? you
1: already know how much pull they have.
3: Right, right. Yeah. And nothing personal against this guy. And if he wants to play and if he's good, he wants to send his demo, I'll book him. But it's really going to cost him mm. in the long run to get his name out in our area to yeah. play those gigs to build that fan base. Because there, there's just so many people already that, again, are good enough to fill that that's spot. That's a really
0: good point, Tony, yeah. because like, uh, I can tell you from experience that early on in my career, absolutely, DJing cost me a lot of money in those first couple of years. Mm. And that's back before we had soundcloud and mixcloud and any kind of on you know yeah. the online stuff yeah we could we could ship each other mp3s but it took 45 minutes to download the stupid things <laughs> you know and you know so everything was done by by cds so you know, and you it, had to buy
1: like real life materials to right, promote yourself. Right, right. You know,
0: you with that with that little like uh, that, that little sandwich thing that you put the label on and then smash the CD down <laughs> so that it's got a the sticker. N- yeah, a nice <laughs> professional label that on would the get top. stuck in the
3: CD player because yeah. the sticker was too <laughs> exactly, thick.
0: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, I mean, and and those by the time you're done, by the time you were done with it, if you were buying materials in bulk, you know that that was going to cost you a thousand or two. You know, to do, you know, three or four thousand CDs and then, you know, go to Cleveland and go to Pittsburgh and go to Columbus and go to Indianapolis and go to Lexington and Louisville. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And if you're handing out, you know, 100 or 200 CDs per show, you know, and that's what you're doing. You're handing them out, handing them out to create that fan base. So it was just, you know, one of those things where that's not even taking into account the gas money. Yeah. And and your 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 hotel and, and all of that stuff. So yeah, it, I mean, even nowadays when you don't have that cost of CD, you know, physical media, yeah, you're you're going to end up you know spending money before you make any money. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, what about Kilma's point about the contract? I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Do you guys insist on a contract when you play out of town? Um, I don't.
0: No. It no. Well,
3: I also, when I do play out of town, I know the promoter very, very well. I do a lot of research on that promoter and I make mm. sure that they have a, a good quality name, you know. But at the, the same time... The less you know them, the more
1: important
0: it is. I suppose.
3: Right, right. I don't need the out of town gigs at this, at this time yeah. in my career either, you know, so.
0: For me, it depends. I think if I, if I know the promoter and I've done business with them before and, and had generally good experiences, you know, I, I'll even take a loss on a couple of shows, you know, mm-hmm. you know, here and there, you like you know, because not every show makes money. But to Tony's point, you know, some people have their have the money already in hand, others depend on that door. So I've I've played a couple of shows, walked away empty handed, but if the promoter is, you know, straight up with me, well, you know, I'll give you a second chance or whatever. If it's somebody I absolutely don't know and despite all attempts to try to like do some research and figure out if they're if they're legit or if there's any shade around them or anything yeah. like that. And sometimes I'll insist, but, you know, my rider is not very complicated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, great question, Reggie. really appreciate that. Um, so we got one more question.
5: Hey, uh, I'm com. My name is Edward uh, C. Fuentes, or uh, DJ Biohuck. I just um, wanted to thank you guys for, um, uh, for the article. I have um, been DJing for about exactly five years now. Um, Well, I started in late December in 2010, so yeah, around five years. Um, Anyway, guys, I just wanted to ask y'all if um, what sort of different things could you recommend that I do to make my mixing practice sessions more better? Because I feel as if I've known all the basic mixing techniques, all the basic structures, and I feel like I'm not getting that much anymore out of my practice sessions as I used to. Um, I'm obviously trying to. I'm obviously scratching. I'm getting a lot better at it, and I'm trying to do a lot of EQing, a lot of effects. I'm getting better at those, but in terms of song placement, um, where to put the songs, when, and um, you know how to get more out of my sessions. Do you think you could help me out with that? Thank you.
1: Okay, so Edward wants to get more out of his practice sessions. Um, do you guys want to touch on that? Or do you want me to run with that first?
3: Definitely keep uh, keep trying uh, to do new things. Don't don't stick to specific genres. Constantly jump around in your practice sessions. You're yeah, saying. in your in your practice sessions, absolutely. Because um, we touched on this the last uh, the last episode. If you're playing or trying to place specific songs at specific times that song may not work with the crowd that's in the building at the time. Even though you may think it works and it sounds great to you, it may not sound to those people. So don't stick to 10 songs and say, I need to place this one here, this one here, this one here. If you're playing digitally um, and can, can loop and stem mix or sample or anything like that, constantly put it in different spots because you never know if it lands here as opposed to here, it may sound a little better. You know,
1: just constantly keep
3: doing different stuff and don't stick to the same stuff.
1: I wrote down: to, uh, throw yourself under the bus when you're practicing. Absolutely. Like put put yourself in a sticky situation and and make it work. You know, um, Tripp, you have any thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, for I I can totally relate to that. I I, I get the feeling that he's focusing more on like, uh, hip hop and, and scratching Mm -hmm. and maybe some type of like DMC routines and stuff like that. And, you know, we've got, you know, a bunch of homies that do stuff like that too. And like right now I wish I could put one of them on the line because, you know, those guys have to like perfect.
3: That's a routine. Right. 100%. And,
0: you know, for me personally, like I don't do anything like that, but just DJing at home kind of get stale after a while so i i would say just do something for the sake of doing it for the enjoyment of it don't don't make make it all about work like right. mm. like you know, freestyle
1: a little more often
4: right i wrote right. that down yeah. don't
1: always mix to learn sometimes just mix to enjoy right, right. yeah um, also, if you wanted to uh, go back and reference somebody who is a world champion as far as that goes, you can listen to uh, episode six with Vect, uh, who was a multi-award mm. multi, yeah. multi award winning champion yep. from Canada. So yeah. uh, we had an interview with him well, a year or so ago. Yeah, he's sick. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. Um, so I, I kind of think that uh, when you say practice, practicing is not – I don't always consider what I do – outside of a gig practice, right? Um, but, but I do, and I, I, um, I do practice, and I, I think of it in two different sort of categories. There's, you know, part of the craft is learning your tools, and then part of it is learning how to hold a groove or how to be interesting, you know, how to read a crowd and that, and that sort of thing. So sometimes when you're practicing, stop focusing on those technical skills, and, and the reason I say that is because you mention song placement and that sort of thing in your voicemail. Stop focusing on those technical st- skills for some of your practice sessions and imagine your sort of avatar crowd, you know, like pretend that you're at the gig. Um, this is something that I do, and I don't know if it, it requires a certain type of imagination or, or some personality, but I, I actually will envision that I'm in in, in some scenario, and, and it's not, it's it's almost never like giant festival like type of environment. I'm thinking I've got 50 people in a room. I've got to make dance. What do I do? And this guy's tapping his foot. This guy's bored. What do I do to fix this? You know. So I'm envisioning this this scenario in my head, um, and I I think that's a really good way to at least um, get used to the idea of having to pivot mid set when something's not working or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, I I just like to imagine varied scenarios. Uh, The other thing you could do is, um, you know, play some house parties and experiment in those, you know, if that's the sort of thing, if, if, you know, you're into that, because then you can kind of try some new things and play around without the pressure of, I'm trying to
0: impress a promoter or, you know, what have you. Um or to even piggyback uh, on onto both of those ideas, even somewhere in the middle of that i don't I don't do it so much anymore, but especially early on, you know used to have you know five six seven eight friends that would get together once a week and everybody yeah. would you know bring over their their six pack or their quarter and you know everybody <laughs> would you know sit around and you know you know have a few drinks have a few you know tokes and and then just push each other mm-hmm. you know to try something else or watch somebody do something that you don't know how to do or that or that you think is cool and then you try to mimic that. That's and, a great point and, and, tagging is a great way. Yeah to, and then that way you know it, it forces you to see somebody else's workflow and even if you don't totally adopt it you can always look at it process it and then make it your own or, or, or morph it somehow so that it, it, it's, it, it is your own. It's it, not it's some,
3: routine. Right. Routine right. is such a formal word because right. you want to stick rigid, yeah. from A to Z, you know, don't yeah. stick to a routine when you're practicing. Right. That's and, unless you're going uh, for that. DMC. Unless you're
1: practicing a routine. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. DMC yeah. or something. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but if you're just practicing to practice, then, you know, go all over the place. Yeah. Absolutely. Get out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, I think that's key, getting out of your comfort zone, and work with new, new tracks when you practice. Don't, don't go to your, your go-to favorite songs, because when you're, quote-unquote, practicing with stuff you're really familiar with, uh, it's important to do that because it's fun and it keeps you interested, and maybe sometimes you'll find new things to do with those tracks, but you're not really challenging yourself. So take take your latest crate from B-Port and throw it in a playlist and mix it up and figure it out. You know, that's what that comes along with that. Throw, throw yourself under the bus. You know, what happens if you have to mix this track into this track for some reason? Make it work, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, or like an actual, real, actionable tip to try. Um, I think depending on, you know, the style that you play and everything... You might try putting together a very limited playlist of five, maybe ten songs, but make like a one or two hour mix out of those songs. In other words, take take a very limited set of music and figure out how to not bore people with two hours of it.
2: You know what I mean? <laughs> uh,
1: don't do this live <laughs> for right, the first right, time, right. but you know, just when you're sitting at home in your bedroom or whatever... Um, force that you have to force that creativity or else you're going to have a boring flat mix so what do you do with all that extra time you know are you grabbing loops are you using stems are you scratching are you what is it you know and it doesn't have to be you know any specific tricks but it it forces you to think differently and even if you don't if you don't stick it, it doesn't matter because you're just practicing, and this is not something you're going to do when
0: you're out anyway. Well, that was kind of my first gig. <laughs> 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 Quick story: my first gig was in the basement of a of a frat house in uh, at OSU um, for a blue light party. If anybody knows what those were, <laughs> um, and, Midwesterners
1: probably familiar, uh, with right?
0: It. Yeah, mostly. Mid- I mean, it's an international thing now, but yeah, Damn. Midwesterners definitely know what blue light was, but. Um, I think I may have owned seven records total, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I played those same seven records for about three hours.
1: <laughs> got real familiar with the B sides. Oh huh? yeah, and they,
0: oh yeah, they and, and I mean they ate it up. They they loved it. Nice, so. nice. Yeah, yeah. So and then of
1: course, like I said, you know, sometimes just mix to do it. Keep yourself interested. Do whatever it takes to to make sure that you're staying interested and enjoying it, even if it is playing your favorite track and your favorite 10 tracks in a set, you know, it's, it, you don't always have to have a takeaway. Um, you, you can, in the process of enjoying what you're doing, you will be, you will gain inspiration for that, which is sometimes just as important, I think. Absolutely. Um, so that covers all our questions. Um, uh, I really appreciate all these submissions and, of course, um, all the uh, links and stuff that we've mentioned today will be in the show notes. And I wanted to mention, because we, we have a habit of not mentioning them all at once, our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Periscope, Snapchat, all at Passionate DJ. The only one that's different is Twitter, DJ with Passion. So that one was taken. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then of course we mentioned the VIP list earlier and uh, that is my, uh, you know, our newsletter and of course this offer to review all these mixes for people who submitted questions was a limited time offer. We will do it again next year of course for our resolutions episode but since we kind of were talking about the VIP list I wanted to read my sort of uh, welcome to 2016 message that I sent out to everybody so I'm going to go ahead and do that now. I said... It's a brand new year, a fresh new opportunity to become the best DJ you could possibly be. Except that you've always had that opportunity. January 1st, 2016 is not drastically different than December 31st, 2015. You may find that they were actually quite similar. It's funny how we assign arbitrary value and significance to dates. Even still, it's a good excuse to reflect back and analyze the previous year. Think of January as a reminder. It's a time to evaluate your current situation based on what has taken place and where the previous 12 months have landed you. As a DJ, maybe you look back and wish you'd spent more time pursuing gigs or learning to scratch or making custom remix sets or redesigning your artist's website, and my question to you is, what's stopping you? I mean, really, what's stopping you? We're all busy. I get it. This is something I struggled with a lot in the past year. Sometimes, it's really hard to find the time. All I'm saying is that this is a good time to reflect back on all the other things you did in the past year. How many seasons of Bob's Burgers did you binge watch? How far have you made it in Fallout 4? How many pictures of your cat did you post on Instagram? Now, I don't intend to come on here and preach at you about how you spend your time. I spent all day yesterday playing Diablo 3 with my stepdaughter. We all find ways to unwind, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's something important to think about. Before you claim that you have, quote-unquote, no time for gigging or promotion or mentoring or developing your craft, sometimes it's a question of priority. I'm going to get really serious about how I utilize my time in 2016, all while making sure I take the time to stop and smell the roses, and I hope that you'll do the same. Here at Passionate DJ Podcast, we're wishing you all the best in the coming year, and together we are becoming better DJs through passion and purpose. Guys, thanks so much. Happy New Year. Happy
0: New New Year. Year. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionate DJ or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.
3: Um, um um, I'm horrible with the microphone um <laughs> I thought I was the filthy d <laughs> um <laughs>
0: okay, okay, who's um whose uh sour patches are those <laughs> <laughs> <Burn>.
2: <laughs> Get all the formalities. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> get <well> acquainted. Nice to meet you, David. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> you get it